Orthodox Arts Festival podcast, Christian podcast to inspire, educate, and entertain an emerging global Christian community. Welcome to Inspirational Entertainment. Hello everyone, this is Orthodox Arts Festival. I would like to take the, this opportunity to introduce you to a special artist who will be presenting his work at this year's Orthodox Arts Festival. My name is Ioannis Antoniadis, and I'm delighted to have Jonathan Jackson as a guest today. Hello, Jonathan, and welcome to the Orthodox Arts Festival. It's a great Hello. privilege to have you here today. Thank you, Ioannis. It's wonderful to be with you. I appreciate it. Um, Jonathan isn't a stranger to the festival. He has been a member of our advisory council since the inception. For those who are unaware about him, Jonathan is that uncommon artist. A showbiz personality has dedicated in recent years much of his wonderful talents of acting, singing, and writing to the promotion of the Christian message. I have a question for you, Jonathan. You've okay. been an Orthodox Christian for a long time. Mm -hmm. Was it worth it to renounce fame, luxury, and glamour for orthodoxy for Christ? Yes, of course. I mean, um, how, how would I say it? Um, you know, I think I was, uh, it's very difficult uh, growing up working in Hollywood as a, as a child and, and teenager. And, you know, many of us are familiar with a lot of the stories of, um, you know, child actors who in their adult life turn to drugs and alcohol and it, it can become tragic very quickly. So I don't want to diminish the difficulty uh, of that environment at all. But I, I would say that there was a very interesting uh, grace uh, that I experienced at a young age living in Hollywood. And um, for some reason, the innocence of being a child and being exposed to fame and, you know, seeing a lot of very successful people uh, and also seeing how most most of these people, um, the fame and the money and all of this didn't make them happy people. It didn't necessarily make them at peace with themselves or the world. Um, there were a lot of broken families, a lot of um, just, you know, uh, lost, tormented souls. And so I think there was a grace in this for me to see it and to just see that, you know, fame and, and power and money and all of this is, is really, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing really, it's vanity. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think that helped me in some ways. Um, but it's a polarizing atmosphere, Hollywood, you know, so, uh, it's a very strange kind of spiritual atmosphere. And I think I could have, I could have very easily gone the other direction and just, you know, put everything in my life and soul towards ambition and fame and all of this. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't know why that didn't happen. I think it's, it was just some bizarre kind of grace from God uh, to just somehow get through to me at an early age that, um, you know, all of those things are, are uh, transitory and uh, false, really, at the end of the day. Um, so I fell in love with art, you know, I fell in love with, uh, storytelling and music and all of this, but 
you know, the, the very tight constraints of, um, you know, trying to climb the ladder and get to the innermost circle of Hollywood was, was something that I just didn't feel like that was meant for me. Sorry, that was a long answer to your question, but it's no, no, no. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, it was just the right answer, and uh, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. You are a man of many outstanding skills and talents, and I believe it is difficult for you to focus on one and ignore mm -hmm. the others. What skill do you believe needs your undivided attention right now? Um, say the last part of the question. What skill? What skill do you believe needs your undivided attention ah, right now? Yeah, yeah. You kind of make me want to like lie down on a sofa after that question, Johannes. Uh, <laughs> for like therapy, you know. <laughs> you, you can't focus. I know. Um, well, boy, that's a. I mean, that's such a good question. Wow. Um, I, I have come to sort of loosely, uh, believe in, in the theory that people have put out there about the, the 10 years or 10,000 hours, uh, uh, being devoted to a particular craft before, you know, you kind of break through to some other level. I don't, I don't know how, how to articulate it, but many people have said this and, I think there's some truth to it. Um, and this is another blessing of uh, that I got started so young because I was able to give, uh, you know, by the time I was 21, I had, I had very intensely given 10 years of my life to acting and the study of, uh, you know, character study. And I started writing screenplays when I was 12 with my brother. And, and so, uh, acting, writing, uh, you know, uh, making our own short films and, and all of this. Um, and I think that, I think that's one of the reasons why music became such an intense focus for me, uh, because I felt like, uh, I was acting so much. I, I, it, I mean, General Hospital, for instance, just to give you a sense of it, um, I was working 50, out of the 52 weeks in a year, you know, as a young child through my teenager and doing school and the mountain of memorizing and, and emotional scenes and everything. I was just overwhelmed with so much performing and acting that I turned to music to kind of cleanse my palate and my soul a bit um, and, you know, long to have the, the, the 10,000 hours towards songwriting and guitar playing and performing live and all of these kinds of things. Um, and so right now, boy, you know, I, I guess I would say it, it, it's seasonal at this point, you know, what I'm really, really focusing on. Um, there will be a time when I'm so engrossed in uh, an album project or songwriting that you know, I'll, I'll write a song a day for, you know, a month and a half. And it's just like something's being birthed. And at some point I'll get so exhausted with it that I feel like I don't ever want to write another song again, you know, and that's when I'll move away from that and go towards maybe writing a book or some other kind of a thing. So a lot of it is palate cleansing. If, if that, if that makes sense, like rebooting the system to say, I mean, even with, uh, books, some of the books I've written, for instance, I, 
I wrote a poetry book in 2012 called uh, Book of Solace and Madness. And the idea behind this was to put a limitation on myself because I'd been writing song lyrics for so many years and song lyrics uh, have, you know, generally speaking, some kind of meter. They have, there's an economy of words that you have to fit within a musical structure that your poetry has to, you know, come through. So with this poetry book, I thought, you know, I'm gonna just completely eliminate meter, but what I'm going to do in terms of the challenge and limitation, and, and also largely eliminate rhyme because songwriting is so focused on rhyming. So I thought I'm not gonna do rhyming for the most part, I'm not gonna do meter, but what I'm gonna try to do is express uh, deeply spiritual themes without using uh, terminology that people are familiar with um, and to say, is that possible? Is it possible to write poetry and communicate uh, something real and profound and deep about uh, one's kind of the inner life uh, with the soul and God without using terminology that uh, might push people away if they've had a a bad experience, let's say, with, you know, with religion. So this limitation birthed something very interesting for me as a, as a writer. And then when I turned after that book to write uh, The Heroine of Hell, which was an, an epic poem about Christ's descent into Hades, I had, I had, um, uh, what's the word, withheld, restrained myself from using terminology that people are familiar with but by the time i got to the heroine of hell it was like a dam that that burst open and i and i got to i felt like i wanted to figure out every way i could to 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 say poetically who christ is you know the wave walker the the monarch you know the ruler of heaven the you know the shepherd of souls like anything that that i i was bursting because i had restrained that uh, while writing Solace and Madness. So each artistic project is kind of this push and pull of, you know, uh, withholding one part so that by the time you you need to abandon that, go to something else. And then, you know, there's there's been a, a almost like a fasting, I guess, from this particular expression that now there's a bit of a feast where you get to go, okay, now I get to, you know, go down this route and kind of unleash it. It's quite uh, interesting what you say. It came into my mind, you know, as I have a little passion with words. Um, the etymology of word poetry, its pieces, yeah. means creativity. And, oh, really? uh, yes, yeah. uh, so I think yeah. Greeks, when they actually used this word, it didn't really necessarily mean rhythm as such, ah, ah. the way we actually present it now. I think mm. it was just all about creating something mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. that will be beautiful and will attract and i, I think yeah. I, I think we um somehow we lost a little bit not we lost we created some you know side uh, products byproducts of that mm -hmm. and uh, we mm -hmm. gave them name but putting pc poetry under such a very narrow uh right yeah, then it, it, like, it loses a lot. And you did naturally what it felt right for you. Yes, 
Yes, it's interesting you say that, Johannes, because um, uh, and and thank you for sharing that because that's that's a really important thing to know, you know. Even like with uh, Saint Porphyrios is famous. Well, it's famous for me anyway because it's meant so much to me. But uh, you know his, his statement: uh, "Whoever wants to become a Christian must first become a poet." You know, and and to think about that from the perspective of what that word means in Greek is very interesting. You know, when I was working uh, with uh, the Theoria Film School. Uh, in Texas last year. That's my uh, next that question. That, okay. <laughs> well, that was the main quote, you know, uh, yes. that I began the whole uh, film school with. And I was, we were looking at uh, filmmakers like Andre Tarkovsky and Terrence Malick, who um, the, the, the best way that I think maybe Tarkovsky described his approach, and certainly what made the most sense to me is to say this is poetic filmmaking right yeah. and so poetry um sure you know in in our modern minds we we kind of put it in this little box but there is an essence of poetry that can be applied to every other art form for this is how i see it anyway um and what what is within the essence of poetry to me has to do with mystery and paradox and um the the ability to Beauty, uh, you... encounter and experience something that is very real that is both transcendent and it's almost like the you know god's uh, essence is unknowable but but he's knowable through his energies so theology and poetry to me are so closely interconnected uh and i love the fact that you know that you're saying that that word in greek really is a broader meaning of creativity i think that's absolutely amazing well god creates everything yes you know, out of tremendous wisdom and love and beauty and everything is the world create the creation itself is just such an incredible mystery that yes. we can only just now we become to unravel um mm -hmm. so yes you, you said you founded theoria the first orthodox filmmaking college that mm -hmm. was last year uh, this yes. is a groundbreaking initiative. Can you please tell us a little bit about it? How is it going? What exactly is the structure and uh, everything? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, a really um, challenging and beautiful invitation and opportunity from uh, St. Athanasius College to create this film school. Um, the first year... Uh, went very well um and it was it's been such a journey um and you know it's interesting because i've been working in these fields you know nearly my whole life and yet um i i also feel like i'm sharing what i can with the students but i'm i'm learning so much along the way you know um i'm learning from the students i'm learning from the collaboration from the questions from you know the various um books that that i am using as uh you know resources um and so what we did was we created five courses um and uh one, the the first one is connected to my book the mystery of art and so it's a journey through sort of like a, a foundational journey uh of the, the ethos of the of the spiritual artist um, you know, what are the, the foundations of the artist who is seeking 
to um, uh, integrate or harmonize their labors, their creative labors with the grace of God. Um, and so it's really a foundational uh, course at the beginning. And then we also have uh, what, what I titled uh, Parables of Light, uh, a course on screenwriting and storytelling. Um, and so, you know, we we delve into uh, Greek tragedy. Uh, we focus in on uh, Aristotle's poetics and really just going to the, the, the bones of, of drama, you know, and storytelling. And then we go into Shakespearean tragedy, which obviously built on uh, Greek tragedy. Um, and then we get into some other authors, you know, they're not, this is not strictly towards filmmaking, although it, you know, it eventually gets there, but C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien and Dostoevsky and George MacDonald and um, looking at some of these artists who have had a very deep um, and, and liturgical understanding of the world and, and written profound symbolic works of art. And how does that relate to uh, storytelling, screenwriting, and all of those things? Then there's a whole course on acting, acting in the spirit. Um, and, you know, acting is very precarious. Uh, it's a very precarious spiritual exercise in my experience. And so, you know, I've struggled with this my whole life and asked the questions like, how do I approach a character uh, without uh, taking on being um, lost the, in the character. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's a very real, you know, because your body is physically involved, um, and so it's it's a real interesting exploration of uh, a spiritual approach to acting. Um, and then we have, you know, Parables of Light Part Two, which is the art of filmmaking and directing, where we really focus in on Tarkovsky um, and his incredible book, uh, Sculpting in Time as well as Terrence Malick's films, especially uh, a lot of the films he's made in the last 20 years, uh, just incredible, incredible works of art. Um, and I think in many ways, Malick is probably, in my opinion, I feel like he's he is the most orthodox filmmaker uh, of our times. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, uh, uh, technically orthodox, but his spirit and his approach to filmmaking and poetry and art is, is the closest thing to the spirit of, uh, you know, the, the the church, really, and the fathers of the church. Um, so we, you know, we try to learn a lot from him. And, and then the last one, the last course has to do with the mystery of music and sound in cinema. Uh, and how important uh, sound is and, and music. So it's, you know, uh, it's really a launching pad for people. I mean, it's a it's a three-month residency, and nobody's going to, you know, leave this intensive three months and walk out, you know, an accomplished filmmaker. But they, they will, I believe, you know, by God's grace, have uh, been given a foundation and a glimpse towards, you know, this poetic, uh, spiritual... Um, you know, that's root, it's patristically rooted, God willing, um, besides my faults, um, you know, in this, this incredible mystery that beauty will save the world, uh, and that our beloved Savior, 
chose to speak in parables when he was here. You know, he he obviously loved storytelling. He obviously wanted people to imagine, you know, uh, uh, the younger son asking for his inheritance while his father was still alive, in essence, saying, you know, to me, it would be better if he were dead so I could get my inheritance and imagine his, you know, his life and, and then with the pigs and then coming to his senses and, and to see uh, the the father running towards his son who who, you know, in the distance and falling on his neck. I mean, these are such beautiful powerful when he chose to say what is the kingdom of heaven like so often it was through parable it was through story it was through uh and so like you said he is the great artist he is the poet he is the architect the author the finisher of our faith um and so it's you know there's been a precarious relationship i think between the church throughout history and let's say theater storytelling and things but um, I, I think there there is a healthy, balanced way to kind of heal some of that and and allow artists mm -hmm. to you know really m create beautiful works of art for the culture because we need this. We need that, and we need the artists that they are really connected with the yes. body of Christ. Because yes. unfortunately, uh, much of the influence that is really diabolical right now comes through the entertainment industry. Yes. I know that. It's a fact that we see it, all of us. And uh, it's simply, we can't really do anything more than make ourselves better so we can, our creation is more pure, more loving, yes. more caring. And that's mm -hmm. all we can do. Uh, of course, yeah. there will be a system that will promote their own things. But yeah. from our little strength, we do by utilizing the gifts that God gave us and we'll do the best that's we right. can. I think that's all we can. That's right. Uh, it's the, the widow's might, you know, we can bring and we can bring our five loaves and two fish and, you know, we can bring our offering to God. And, you know, um, the other thing I wanted to say, Ioannis, about the film school is that although it, it, it's a film school, you know, with its orientation on, on uh, creating films, um, so much of it is kind of a, a philosophical approach, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, um, on the creative process and storytelling. And so I, I just wanted to emphasize this to say that uh, for anyone out there who's considering, you know, maybe uh, becoming a student or participating in uh, 2023, um, it, it's not limited to somebody saying, you know, well, I don't necessarily want to be a director or a filmmaker. Therefore, you know, what's the point? It's really, if somebody wants to be a, a writer, let's say, um, then this is completely connected to that, um, you know, calling. Uh, if somebody is just interested primarily in acting, but not in writing or directing, it's still very relevant because I can tell you as an actor myself, the more I've learned about writing, the more I've learned about directing, uh, it's helped me as an actor. Um, even the more I've learned about music, it's helped me as an actor. You know, music is so much about rhythm and timing, and acting ends up being about so much about rhythm and timing uh, in the dialogue. So all of these art forms really do start to overlap and overlap and kind of uh, educate each other. Um, 
So I just wanted to say that, you know, um, you don't have to have the ambition to be a filmmaker to go through this uh, Theoria Film School, because it's it's really, like I said, a launching pad uh, for uh, the a creative life, uh, a life of storytelling, whether it's literary or film or, you know, poetry or whatever. Now, there is a lot of activity going on with your with your music and your Banting Nation. Uh, I mean, you are overproductive. <laughs> Last mm. May, you had to cancel your tour because of COVID, but it seems that you're feeling better now. Yes. So tell I'm us getting... a little bit of in that front now. What is happening over there? Well, um, we released uh, our, our latest album, Ultraviolet Empire, on July 11th. Uh, which was my daughter's birthday and also uh, St. Sophroni's commemoration. So I was excited about that date. Um, and, um, you know, this this album is, we're, we're very excited about this record and um, we had to be very patient because of COVID. You know, it was meant to be released in 2020 uh, and it, it was Yeah, 2020. We had a we had tours scheduled for that year and 2021, and you know we've had to be very patient. But I will say, you know, there's a beautiful saying from the Holy Mountain um, that uh, every delay is for our benefit. You know, this is not an easy thing to actually embrace and live at all, but it's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful, you know, mysterious message. In in this case, it was a a blessing, this delay, because there were actually a, a couple songs that would not have even made it on the record had there not been this delay, and they ended up being very central to the whole album. So, um, you know, it's interesting how uh, these obstacles sometimes you sometimes we never know why we have to wait, and it's just a matter of faith. Other times we go, oh, okay, wow, look at you know this wouldn't have happened uh ha had we not had this obstacle so um you know we're uh looking forward to uh playing live again uh i don't know when that's going to happen maybe after the film school in the spring of 2023 is kind of what we're looking at right now um, hopefully hopefully you you will make it again for bristol what do you think <laughs> for, for to where for bristol To Bristol. Oh, to do Bristol. Think, yeah, oh, think... I yeah, 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 I hope so. I hope the UK... Maybe Glastonbury. Uh, you try Glastonbury, that'd be great. Yeah, yes, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, we love playing in the UK. Um, so I hope so. But yeah, we're very excited, you know. They're, you know, it's also interesting how many of the lyrics on the record almost uh, took on... A, a, not a new meaning, but maybe a slightly deeper meaning based on what, you know, the world, what we all went through over the last couple of years. Um, and that was really interesting as well, just to see, um, you know, how uh, a particular song, whether it was, you know, The Days Are Evil or The Roman Road, um, uh, Ledge, you know, which is... Um, a song, a, a very sort of emotional song about uh, a song of intercession for a loved one or a friend who's battling, you know, depression and, and suicidal thoughts. And, um, you know, there was a lot of struggles really that we all went through over the last couple of years in particular. And, and uh, it was interesting to kind of see how that, the album took on a slightly different uh, 
experience based on all of that. Yes, yes, I totally relate to this yeah. type of experiences. I had family members that COVID was had the devastated, devastating yes. effect. Yes, uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was very difficult. Now yeah. we read about this super exciting concert in Athens at Herodis mm -hmm. Atticus Conservatory on September 29 this year. Mm. What you can please tell us? <laughs> yeah, well, this is an amazing uh, opportunity, really, for all of us uh, to be a part of this. Um, so, you know, the album, the the place of silence, was came uh, connected with the documentary that we did about Elder Joseph the Hesychist, um, now Saint Joseph the Hesychist, um, and so the same composer. Uh, just did an absolutely amazing, beautiful, beautiful score for this docudrama. Um, uh, created the music and, and the songs for this um, this album. And so George Dolores sang on, on most of it, and I was invited to sing, I believe, three songs on the record. Um, and so they're putting together a concert uh, at the Acropolis in... in uh, in Athens, and uh, there's going to be a, I don't know the exact number, 100 piece, 80 piece, some, you know, orchestra, uh, and very just, big orchestra. Yeah, 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 and so, you know, uh, and and actually, it's interesting that we're talking today because today is um, Saint Joseph the Hesychist's uh, commemoration. Really? Yeah, incredible. <laughs> uh, the day after, I think he he reposed on the Dormition, but they moved his commemoration to the day after the Dormition. So, yeah, yes. which is really amazing. Um, so at the festival, we will be presenting your monumental work, The Harrowing, the Harrowing of Hell, from your audiobook. Mm. What was the inspiration behind it? Mm. Well, um, the inspiration behind it was uh, reading Christian history. Uh, the, 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 the beginnings of, you know, the idea came about as I was researching um, Christian history for, you know, uh, three or four years uh, on along our journey to becoming Orthodox. And, you know, along the way, uh, you stumble upon things that really move your soul. Growing up in various Protestant denominations and um, groups, uh, Christ's descent into hell was really never talked about, ever. You know, I didn't grow up in a church that recited, you know, uh, the Apostles' Creed, let's say, that, that that talks about Christ's descent into hell. Um, so uh, I think I had a vague, maybe, you know, echoing thought about that some people think something happened, you know, between the, the crucifixion and resurrection, but really no no sense of it until I started reading history and realizing how uh, central this was to the, the the story of the gospel and to um, the story of uh, our redemption and resurrection. Um, and then as, you know, we became Orthodox, then we started experiencing, you know, Holy Saturday and we started experiencing the, the poetry uh, and 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 I I you know quote some of the the those moments from Holy Saturday uh, in the poem between the Mother of God and Christ as they're sort of you know mystically speaking to each other while Christ is in hell, uh, and it's just 
uh, that. And then I heard a, a homily by Father Thomas Hopko at some point along the way. And I, I was driving to an appointment. It was a long drive. And uh, his homily on the heroine of hell was, was so uh, moving. I was just in tears almost the entire drive. Because again, I had never heard this orthodox, you know, ancient Christian perspective on hell and how even the flames of hell are God's love. And, um, you know, that, that, you know, Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today and tomorrow um, is not a schizophrenic, um, petty deity who, you know, uh, turns on us in, 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 in petty wrath. And, and wants to punish us for not measuring up and sent, you know, sending us to hell like, you know, like a, you know, more like a, a pagan God uh, who, who has these fits of rage and uh, where his honor is offended. Um, but rather, God is always love and he is always reaching out to us. He is always uh, keeping his gaze upon us with the desire for us to receive mercy. And the same sun that melts wax also hardens clay. And so the love of God is the same towards us, and it's us. We get to choose whether we want to, to melt like wax with the heat of his love or whether we want to harden like clay or whether we want to be tormented by his love, and his love becomes this tormenting fire because we've rejected his love or his, his love becomes a purifying fire. Um, and so this message was so important for me. And also I felt like it was something that generally speaking, uh, the Western world has not heard this message, uh, whether it's, you're coming from a Roman Catholic background or a Protestant background, uh, this incredible, incredible good news of who God is and, the, and his respect for our free will and his willingness to go into our darkness, to go to every length to save us from ourselves, from our passions, um, is so remarkable that, so that was the primary inspiration. And then the secondary inspiration was my son, Caleb, who was only about seven at the time, was listening to the audiobook of Beowulf. And Gosh. For some reason, he just loved this uh, epic story. And I remember thinking to myself, I love this. And I thought, you know, I want to write something for him, for my children, where this natural instinct of love for the hero is, is, uh, is brought towards Christ, who is the hero of heroes. And so, um, you know, I dedicate... Uh, the book to my to my three children for that reason and um so it was you know it was studying history and then uh my son's love uh innocent love for for beowulf uh, that inspired it it is true that unless we feel the like parents our creativity is always self-centered yeah. only when we become when we really deeply care as parents about another human being, then mm. only then our creativity becomes holy. Wow. Yes. And That's amazing. 
you know, if you, you think about that, Ioannis, from, uh, you know, as, as God is the creator, you know, and how this fatherhood is, can't be separated no, from who he is as creator. Is, it's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Ask the last question. What mm -hmm. is your advice for a successful career and a happy family life? <laughs> That's a difficult uh, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, there's so much that could be said with this. Um, I think in a very, if I were to try to be very practical, I would say that in terms of a, a successful career, I would say uh, perseverance is extremely important um, because everything in life uh, has a great degree of resistance and struggles, uh, everything worthwhile. And so perseverance is very uh, central. Um, you know, a, a successful career is a kind of a difficult thing because I don't, I, over the years as I've gotten older, I've, I've really wanted to try to change my perspective on what success means, you know. Um, and I think that um, growing as an, I mean, if it's in the arts, let's say, growing as an artist and um, being authentic with yourself and with the people in your life, whether it's collaborators, you know, partners, um, people you're working with, uh, being authentic with them and that process, having that integrity there is very important. You know, and when a goal is reached, when a, a work of art is created, um, that you can uh, have a sense of of gratitude towards God and to say, okay, you know, in your grace, against all of these obstacles and all of my weaknesses and, and inadequacies, uh, something was birthed that that has some kind of meaning and some kind of beauty and and to give God glory for that, you know, that is a success regardless of, you know, how many books sell or how many times the song is, you know, downloaded or streamed or how successful the tour is. Those things are all secondary, you know, those numbers and business things. I mean, I, I believe Van Gogh didn't sell a single uh, painting in his lifetime, if I'm not mistaken, um, or something like that. But, you know, how can we measure any of this, really? Um, and so it has to come down more to our life is hidden in Christ and, you know, those those are the mo most important things and then in terms of family it's very similar i think you know there's a great degree of uh perseverance um that goes into these things but again having said all that um those are I i'm trying to think relatively practically to be able to say something but if if i were to respond really just from my soul i would say it's it's to just uh as quickly as you can uh, realize that uh, realize that the when Christ says you can do nothing without me, you know, like the the sooner we can get to that point of saying, I am nothing, I have nothing, and I can do nothing without you. Um, you know, I think that's really 
the best foundation. Um, and it's so important for artists too, you know, it's like, I love when we were catechumens, our, our beloved priest uh, opened catechesis with, you know, apophatic theology. And you just, you start from this incredible unknowing, this incredible, like, we don't really know anything, <laughs> you know? And it's this beautiful humility where you're just like, wow, okay. Um, and so this paradox of not knowing anything, and yet God gives us these revelations. So we do know, you know, we experience, we encounter, but at the same time, we still just don't know, you know, anything. And it's, you know, this paradox of I can do nothing in my own strength. And yet St. Paul says, wait, I can do all things in Christ. And so there's this incredible paradox of just like, I'm I'm completely useless in my own strength. And yet somehow the grace of God, you know, can lift us up to, to you know, create from this place of, of weakness. And I think that every... I think one of the monks from the Holy Mountain said this to me once, which was beautiful. He said something like, uh, the artist, uh, it takes great humility to create uh, any true work of art. And I think that this is true. Oh, yeah. And Ch G.K. Chesterton, I read this recently, was powerful. He he said something like, um, he he said, it's, it is, it's the humble who do great things because... Uh, because they they don't they don't think anything of themselves. So there's a childlike innocence to think, you know, that it, it's a weird inversion that takes place where because there's this childlike innocence of knowing that you know that they're nothing, then the sky's the limit because it's like it's not coming from their own strength. And I found that so beautiful and inspiring. So as artists, I think it's this constant you know battle with our ego and pride and repentance and you know, uh, just, you know, um, I have some kids upstairs making noise. I apologize. <laughs> they sound like they're having fun. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I think that's the best, the best I can, I can do at the moment. Jonathan, we are grateful for taking the time to tell us about yourself and your work. To all of our Orthodox Arts Festival viewers, from Jonathan Jackson and Ioannis Antoniadis. Thank you for watching.